The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welter. You are listening to episode 192 of the podcast where you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube. Today is Sunday, May the 24th, Memorial Day weekend. So first and foremost, of course, this is the solemn time of year uh, when we remember those brave men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country and uh, and gave their lives. So. A, a big thank you to each and every one of those people and to their families uh, for everything that they had to go through in the wake of that. And uh, e- even though they have their own day, the uh, the active military and the, and the veterans, there's never a bad time to thank our veterans and to thank our active military, especially during a time like this. You know, they're out there putting it all on the line and they're willing to make that ultimate sacrifice um so thank you to all of our all of our service people around the world uh we we definitely appreciate you and uh continuing to fight for the the liberties that we do so enjoy here in these great united states of america one of those liberties that i enjoy is talking to my buddy all the way from new jersey jeff the animal wilson jeff how you feeling on this Sunday evening, my friend? We're back to our regular time slot here. Yeah, but I feel great. Uh, weather is, it's been a little cold this week. It's been a little rainy, but it's looking like it's going to clear up this week. So, you know, thank you to all the veterans, all those who have, you know, served, who have died protecting our liberties, like you said, Bill. Um, and, you know, just for everybody out there, you know, while you're enjoying your weekend, just, you know, take a second and just, you know, remember that we, like you said, Bill, we have a lot of liberties in this country and a lot of opportunities that not a lot of people have, you know, in third world countries, you know, that's where my parents came from. So, you know, definitely a lot happier living here than they would be anywhere else. And, you know, we have our problems, but everybody else has problems too. So Bill, how are things in your neck of the woods? How's the Florida weather treating you? Oh man, weather was beautiful today. It was supposed to rain a little bit. Um, but it held out. We we took uh, we took the little tyke to uh, a place called uh, Howard Beach Park, and we did uh, a little. We took the bikes there. We biked around, um, and then there's like a little beach there. So, uh, it but most of it was like closed off. They only let so many people in. But because we went in on bicycles, we were able to get through and. You know, it's just like real shallow water. He let her splash around in there. And um, it was nice, man. Uh, just, and then just came home and, and laid low, pretty much continuing quarantine. <laughs> um, you, you know, things are things are starting to come back around here in Florida. Um, you know, things are opening back up, restaurants and everything like that. I was able to get a haircut this week, Jeff. Uh, that was a wild experience. Uh, cause, uh, but the barber I go to shout out to Edson, Edson's barbershop in Tampa. Uh, he, he's in there by himself, Jeff. Uh, it's his shop and, and he's the only guy in there and, uh, he does by appointment only and you go and you have to wait outside for the person before you to finish. And then when they come out, he goes, he doesn't let you in yet. He sanitizes everything. And then he enters the door with a, a mask, like a surgical mask. And then a face shield over that and gloves. Like he looked like he was ready to handle radiation, Jeff. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then he takes the gloves off. He sanitizes his hands, sanitizes all of his equipment. Uh, he put a plastic uh, covering over me so it was disposable. And then he put a new pair of gloves on. Um, and I was able to get my hair cut. So if anything is going to make you feel like somewhat back to normal, <laughs> it's getting a haircut as i can see you did yourself jeff so uh let me hear your story there 
Oh yeah, Bill. Uh, my sister did it for me. She's uh, she did a surprisingly good job. It was uh, usually my when I was younger, my dad would cut it, and all the kids at school would make fun of me for it. So, <laughs> so I didn't want him touching it this time. But uh, it looks good. Uh, I you know I just I wanted the longer stuff out of out of the way. It was starting to it's starting to get hot up here, and you know my hair holds water pretty well. So I didn't want to have to deal with it. I, I was tired of you know having to comb it and stuff. So it's just, it's easier for me to manage if it's short. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's looking good, kid. You're getting a, a little out of control for a while there. Yeah. I lost the plot for a sec, Bill, but we're back. And Bill, what do we got going on? Um, oh man, so much. So we got fight night coming up and, um, on Saturday night. And I'm so excited because my buddy, Billy Q, Billy Quarantillo, was just added to this card last week um, after we did last week's episode. So we didn't have time to, to discuss it yet. Um, I, I had an opportunity to chat with him a little bit. He's really excited. Uh, he's looking good. He's looking shredded. Uh, he definitely didn't uh, put on the, the COVID-19 <laughs> like some of the rest of us did. Um, yeah, he's looking good, man. He stayed disciplined with his diet. I, I think he was just itching – uh, you know, staying ready just in case. Uh, so huge news for him. Uh, I, I know he's been working out hard during this quarantine and um, hopefully it pays off for him. It, and let, let's just lead off with that. Cause he's fighting Spike Carlisle who they call him. What do they call him? The, the ginger, the, the alpha ginger. <laughs> um, he's, he's a wild character, Jeff. I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you've seen him fight before, uh, coming off a, he was a LXF uh, featherweight champion, I believe, or LFA, one of those. And uh, in his UFC debut, knocked out a long cruise in the first round. Um, real explosive guy. Um, and, you know, his only hope with Billy is to try and knock him out quick because you don't want to go into deep waters with Billy Q. Because uh, he'll drown you there every single time. Uh, he is relentless. He fights at such a relentless pace. Uh, he never takes his foot off the gas. Uh, and and the only way, the only way to beat him is to is to put him out, put his lights out. Because uh, otherwise, he will not stop. The the, the kid's an absolute machine. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to to see my buddy Billy get back in there. That's going to be UFC on ESPN nine Saturday night, which is going to take place at the UFC apex, um, which is Billy, Billy's house. You know, he, uh, he fought on the ultimate fighter. He fought on the contender series. So he's, he's familiar with that environment. Um, and, and spike is an exciting fighter too. So this one's going to be fireworks, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I'm excited to see Billy Quarantino in there again. Um, I just remember how exciting his first his UFC debut was. And I remember just being so impressed with his cardio and being able to keep that pace for three rounds. So, Bill, I'm I'm excited for this fight. And um I think Spark Spike Carlisle's gonna have his hands full here, dude. Uh yeah, uh that that's an understatement. And this is, uh, this is also going to be a catch weight for the record. Cause I guess, um, you know, spike has a little quarantine weight that he put on and he said he wouldn't be able to make the 145 pound limit. So they agreed to make it 150 pounds ahead of time. Um, you know, and that's a respectable thing, uh, to ask for the catch weight as opposed to just missing weight and, you know, participating in the sanctioned cheating. Now, if you ask for the catch weight and you still miss weight, that's a dick move. I can't be on board with that, but, uh, you know, he wants a couple extra pounds and, and Billy's okay with it. So that's, that's where it's going to be. Our buddy, Mark joining the show all the way from Australia. What's up, Mark? Um, let's look at the headliner of this car, Jeff, uh, Tyron Woodley and Gilbert Burns, man. This is, this is a fight that's not getting nearly enough attention. This is a phenomenal fight. Uh, you know, Tyron Woodley, one of the best welterweights of all time. And Gilbert Burns, just one of the, I, in my opinion, I've been saying this every time we talk about Gilbert Burns, one of the most underrated combat sports athletes on the planet. Uh, the guy is so game for anything. Oh, you gotta, you gotta fight uh, on, 
you know, four hours notice, give me a call. I'm there. Oh, you got a, you got a grappling tournament. You got Abu Dhabi tomorrow. All right. Put me on a plane. I'm coming. And then, and then does well and is competitive and he's super hungry. You know, he's never been in the position that, that Woodley has been in before uh, as a champion or fighting for a championship. And that's where he wants to get Woodley wants to get back there. Um, but are we going to see a motivated Woodley? You know, he, he's got, a, he's got a bunch of other things going on. Um, you know, the, the rap career and the, the radio show and, and broadcasting, you know, he's got his hands in a lot of things. Um, I don't doubt that he's training hard. Uh, I would never, I'd never doubt that about Tyron Woodley. It's just, you know, he's been to the top of the mountain. He knows what it takes to get back there. Is he motivated enough to do that? If so, this is going to be an incredible fight. I would give, obviously, the wrestling advantage to Woodley. Um, the overall grappling advantage you would have to give to Gilbert Burns because Woodley is a black belt under Dean Thomas, but Gilbert Burns is an elite black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, we saw him not only survive against Damian Maia, but get back up to his feet and then crack him. Um, punching power I'd have to give to Woodley, but uh, you know, you don't want to take too many shots from Gilbert Burns either. Um, and I would give Tyron the, the speed advantage as well. Um, but it, it's not like they're huge advantages, Jeff, like this, they're pretty close. I'd say in everything except the wrestling, Tyron's going to have a big advantage with the wrestling. So if he doesn't want it to go to the ground, um, it won't. Um, cause he's, he's also a master of controlling distance. I'm really excited for this fight, Jeff. If you can't tell, give me your thoughts. No, I'm excited too. And I love this matchup. I think that they're both very well-rounded. They do everything really well. And I think I agree with you hundred percent. I think that the advantages that Tyron Woodley has, they're only slight advantages, except in the wrestling department, you know, um, he, was he an all American in college? I forget Tyron Woodley. I do believe he was an all American at Missouri. Yeah, so there you go. Um, with the exception of the wrestling, I think everything's pretty much even. And, you know, they both bring a lot of power. So whether it's standing up or if it goes to the ground, I think this is going to be a really exciting matchup. And I'm curious to see how Tyron Woodley approaches being in the octagon again. You know, it's been a while. He's coming off that huge loss to Kamaru Usman, who basically ragdolled him and was able to control every aspect of that fight. So I'm really, really excited to see how he bounces back from this. Yeah, and the, the other thing about it too is, is, you know, you have other fighters who are coming on this card who have been on the Contender Series and have fought in this environment. Tyron Woodley's, all of his last fights have been championship fights, uh, in front of huge crowds for pay-per-view main event, all the lights, all the cameras on him. Um, you, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does in this environment. I don't know how much it really is a, a factor for some of these guys. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, maybe, maybe that kind of hindered Tony Ferguson because he feeds off of that crowd energy, uh, and, and things like that. But, you know, consider that, that, um, you know, Woodley has been fighting, on the biggest stage for his last um, eight fights or so. I, I can't do the math off the top of my head, but Gilbert Burns, on the other hand, you know, he's grappled in front of 15 people in the last year. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so maybe it, if you think about that, maybe um, Gilbert has a little bit of an edge there. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, and that's always kind of stuck in the back of my head because I remember when Shayna Baszler was on the Ultimate Fighter mm -hmm. season uh, where Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate were coaches, and she spoke a little bit to that where she couldn't get used to not having a crowd there, and that's why she felt like she didn't do as well as she could have. Um, so it's that's a you know that's a factor as well. So I'm curious to see how Woodley deals with that. Gilbert Burns, like you said, dude, between his um, bout at submission underground and his last couple of uh fights you know he's probably had like you said 15 20 fans tops so mm -hmm. i think it's gonna be super super interesting and i don't know man uh tyron woodley you know he comes out with his headphones on he kind of gets in the zone so who knows how much it affects him if at all yeah yeah for some of these guys you know especially high level guys they're used to sparring in the gym and they have they have sparring brought in for them and they're just fighting in front of their coaches and and you know maybe the coaches of 
of the other fighter that's brought in for sparring. So, you know, maybe they just treat it like a gym session where they're going extra hard. Um, who knows? I, I mean, like anything else, I'm sure every fighter has like their own tricks for getting in the right headspace to, to get in there and do this, you know, audience, no audience for, for most of them, it, it probably doesn't matter. Um, except for like real showmen, like a Conor McGregor would probably not enjoy fighting in this environment, um, w without the audience and stuff like that. Um, speaking of Conor, I never, I never really, um, bring up any of his antics it, if it doesn't have to do with him fighting in the immediate future, Jeff, but I, I just find it hilarious because so many people hate this guy. Right. And, and that's, that's like just a marker of fame. Um, he, you know, he's done a lot of shitty things, but you know, he, even if he didn't like people would hate him just because he's famous. So he went, he took to Twitter and, um, he was talking about his, his greatest of all time list. And he put Anderson Silva at number one and he put himself at number two, but he thinks he's going to pass him by the time he retires. Um, and, and people were up in arms about this, Jeff. And what, what I don't get is when people that people don't understand when they tweet his name and, and, and put his name on Instagram, that's helping him. That's just like proving his, that's just increasing his celebrity and people never seem to put this together. Like if you hate the guy so much, um, don't talk about him. And that's, that's the best way. <laughs> that's the best way to prove your point. Um, I, I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I wouldn't put him at number two for the greatest of all time. Um, but you know, he does these things just to get people to talk about him. And it's pretty, it's pretty brilliant and, uh, it's pretty effective, you know, whether he really believes that or not is another story is, and it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on the, on the Connor nonsense? I, I didn't even know he had posted that until he just told me, but Hey, you know, his list is different from my list. It's different from your list of greatest of all time. So, you know, more power to him that he's got confidence in himself and, you know, he, I think he's a good fighter, not on my uh, greatest of all time list, but you know, a good fighter nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, definitely a great fighter. Um, you, you know, the first one to win in UFC, championships in two different weight classes of course never defended uh either of those championships that which was the <laughs> that was the the remark that john jones made because i i guess john jones was was bumped like out of the top five on connor's list <laughs> and uh john jones said try try achieving end still there's <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines um, I hope Connor shot back with something like try and still staying out of jail or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Take your pick. Something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we'd, we'd have to take some time to, to mull it over, but I, I have a feeling that Connor is like, um, is the type that like his social media is ran for him and he just, you know, he tells somebody what he wants to say let's say a b c and d and they just put it out there and he never sees any of the response or, or or reads any of the bullshit that that comes in the wake of it um i i don't i don't i don't see him like engaging that much you can tell if you look at his twitter too it's a lot of like hey drink my whiskey and hey uh here's a sponsor and and like a lot of stuff that tells me there's definitely an agency running his twitter account um and whatever <laughs> All right, let's take a look at uh at some more fights here, Jeff. The, the more I, I look at this card, the the more I get excited for it. We got uh Lagoy Ivanov and Augusto Sakai, so two big heavyweights getting in there. Um, Ivanov is is one of these guys that's um, and it, these are two really big, like really out of shape looking killers, though. Um, you know, Sakai coming off of that big knockout win over Marcin Tabura in his last fight in September. Um, and Ivanov has had, you know, some some big wins. But um, Sakai was on uh, Dana White's contender series as well. And, uh, you, you know, pretty much finished all of his fights except one against Andre Arlovsky in the UFC. And um, Ivanov is a, is a very underappreciated heavyweight, I think. Um, 
The guy's tough as nails. Uh, you you want to talk about some of the best chins uh, in, in the UFC and in the heavyweight division? Uh, Blagoy Ivanov has to be in the conversation. So this is this is a fun fight for me, Jeff, because you got a guy who is known for taking big shots, has never been knocked out against a guy who's known for big knockouts. Uh, even off a little bit more well-rounded though, he's got, a, he's got some grappling, he's got some submission wins. Um, and he's coming off a, a, a close split decision loss to Derek Lewis in his last fight. Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I'm excited for this one. These are two giants. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov uh, definitely has a good resume. He's a former World Series of Fighting heavyweight champion. He's got a lot of fights under his belt. He's been doing this for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Sakai trying to prove himself. And, you know, he's had some really good wins in the UFC lately. So I'm excited for this one. Um, but, Bill, I don't know how much time... Blagoy Ivanov has in the UFC. You know, he's coming into the UFC a little bit older. You know, he's got, like you say, he's got a tough chin, but he's also fought a lot of fights. Um, Jeff, before... he's, only, he's only 33. That's like a freshman for the really? Yeah, he looks oh, a lot thought... older, but yeah. <laughs> I thought he was, he just looks older. I thought he was in like his early 40s. Or Dude, something. He's, in, he's in the He's in the lower percentile for age and heavyweight division. Like if you're still in your thirties, you're ahead of the curve. Yeah, he still got he might have like 10 years on him. <laughs> yeah. But I mean he's he's been in some wars and and he doesn't have any finishes in the UFC. But if you look at his if you look at his resume, they throw him right to the wolves, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Junior Del Santos, yep. Ben Rothwell, Ty Tuiavasa, Derek Lewis are all of his UFC fights. Uh and in those he's two and two. And um, looked good, like had had spots in, in in a lot of them. Now, like the Ben Rothwell decision, a little controversial. Um, I thought Rothwell probably won that one. Um, but, you know, all close fights. Derek Lewis fight was close. Um, and then I now I'm curious how old uh, Sakai is um, because he looks old, too. But he's probably on the younger side since he came through the contender series. And I don't, I know they don't like, uh, all right. So yeah, he's 29. So he's like, he's like a newborn for a heavyweight. Oh yeah. He's got at least 20 years left in this heavyweight division. Yeah. He's still in diapers. Um, and we got, um, Kevin Holland and Daniel Rodriguez. That's going to be a really fun fight. Um, Jeff, did you have anything else on even off? And uh... no, we can move on because I'm excited for that Kevin Holland fight too. Yeah, so Kevin Holland just fought <laughs> last week. Uh, you know, he had the TKO over Anthony Hernandez, and it took him 39 seconds. And he said his weight was good, uh, so he wants to jump right back in there. Um, and he's getting in there with Daniel Rodriguez, who's 11 and one. So that's a really fun fight, um, man. I, I don't know how good of an idea it is getting right back in there um, so quick, especially with, with everything that's going on. Like, has he been getting proper training through the pandemic and, and everything like that? Um, you know, cutting weight with, again within two weeks. And, and Daniel Rodriguez is a killer. He's coming off a submission win over Tim Means, uh, which is no easy task. Uh, and that was his UFC debut. Uh, <clears throat> hasn't lost a fight since 2017 and that was a split decision. So, uh, you know, you're looking at a tough kid here. Yeah. Also 33, but he looks, he looks much younger than Blagoy even of. <laughs> yeah, dude, Kevin Holland, no joke, uh, looked great against Anthony Hernandez. Bill, I, I don't have much of a problem with him getting back in there. You know, if he feels good, it, and, you know, he can keep his weight down. Why not? I say more power to him. He's making money during the, you know, during this pandemic, which not a lot of people can say that. So good for him. Yeah, man. And then we have uh, two more contender series fighters. We have Roosevelt Roberts and Brock Weaver. Uh, so Brock Weaver's last fight, um, very controversial against Rodrigo Vargas. He got hit with that illegal knee and, uh, subsequently won the fight by disqualification he wasn't able to continue um and it was a fun fight up to that point it, it was really unfortunate that it had to end that way um 
but yeah, Brock Weaver looked like an absolute animal on the on the contender series, and uh, Roosevelt Roberts has has been uh, on quite a tear as well. He's he's nine and one, um, really tough guy who who came through the contender series as well, I believe. Um, yes, he did. It was season two, episode seven, and he is currently three and one in the UFC. His only lost decision lost to uh, Vince Pichel. So, yeah, so Bill, I'm excited for that one. You know, both of these guys pretty well rounded, and we'll see how Brock Weaver bounces back. Bill, a couple people thought, you know, it wasn't the best way to win. And Bill, shout out to Claudia Bojo, who's the producer, <laughs> who's the producer of the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, my 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 beautiful better half joining in on the show it's okay jeff she can't pronounce your last name either <laughs> why did i say it wrong yeah bogio oh really yeah oh uh, well she can't pronounce my last name either and she always gets my nationality wrong so it's okay <laughs> I one. Yeah. you you guys have such like a fun sibling rivalry it cracks me up when you do start ripping into each other it's one of my favorite things <laughs> Um, but anyway, Bill, everybody's favorite Brazilian, well, or at least Brazilian accent, looks like she's going to be on the show. <laughs> everybody's favorite Brazilian who was born in Arizona, <laughs> Mackenzie Dern. <laughs> I, I love, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen this, go go to YouTube and check out the evolution of Mackenzie Dern's accent because it, it shows interviews with her. And early in her career, when she was just a monster on the grappling scene, she just, you know, she just sounds like a white girl from Arizona. And then, like, the, the Brazilian accent slowly starts to take over. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I give Mackenzie Dern a lot of credit because she, she got in there, what was it, four or five months after having a kid for her yeah. last fight? It was something ridiculous like that. Um, I, I can't believe it. I, um, man, I could, I could barely get off the couch five months after my kid was born and, and I didn't even give birth to her. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just kind of there. Yeah, dude, I, you gotta be impressed with Mackenzie Dern. I mean, she was pregnant longer than she lived in Brazil to develop that accent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Bill, shout out to Uncle Tom joining the show as well. Yeah, let, let's clarify that he's a, an actual uncle named Tom. We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to catch any heat for that one, Jeff. But yeah. He, he he calls you his third nephew. You know that, Jeff? Bill, I, I love it. You know, Bill, you know, you know how I'm with your family. I love hanging out with you and your folks. You know, I basically met, let's see, I met your brother, your sister, both your parents, your Uncle Tom. Um, I met your grandpa at the wedding. Yeah. So, so yeah, Bill, you know, I, I've always considered myself, you know, uh, an, an adopted Welker member. You know, your family's super welcoming, so always happy to see him. Always happy to greet the Welker clan. Oh, and speaking of my mom, here she is. And she now we got up. Aunt Sue on the joint. We, well. <laughs> we got, we're, we're turning this podcast into a family reunion. <laughs> this is awesome. All right, so uh, in any case, the uh, the... The, the world's most famous Brazilian accent, Mackenzie Dern, taking on Hannah Cyphers. Um, this is a, an interesting fight um, because Mackenzie has, a, you know, her striking is is kind of rough, just because, um, just because she hasn't been doing it very long, but she's not afraid to throw anything because she doesn't care if the fight goes to the ground. Um, and Hannah Cypher's coming off the TKO loss to Angela Hill in her last fight. Um, you know, she's, she's kind of been hot and cold as of late. Um, you know, her last big win was in August against Jody Esquivel. Uh, interesting fight. 
Hannah Cyphers has an advantage on the feet. Uh, if, if it goes to the ground, uh, I imagine she's going to be in trouble. Um, but you know, if she, if she can get her hands on Mackenzie on the feet, then it's going to be a rough night. Yeah, definitely an uphill battle for Hannah Cyphers. If it goes to the ground, you know, her best chance is staying on the feet because like you said, Mackenzie Dern is still developing that striking, but dude, uh, <laughs> so shout out to Mark fellows too. Hi, Mark. Um, you know, the podcast, it's for everybody. Mark, we're here for all you guys. Stern we're we're all family. You're part of the family now too, Mark. Yeah, you're 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 our, you're our Australian cousin. So the the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, the podcast is is for family. This is a family show. Um, all right, what do we got? Another another really good um, female fight here. We got Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, you know, coming off of that that loss. Um, in the championship fight to uh, Valentina Shevchenko. And I guess she's going to try and avenge it by fighting her sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, she took that TKO loss to Valentina. Um, she, she was never really in that fight. Um, just got kind of overwhelmed there. Um, but maybe she'll have a better shot against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. We're going to find out on Saturday. Oh, Antonina. Sorry, Valentina is the one she just fought. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, Bill. I mean, Antonina Shevchenko, we don't hear a lot about her, but she's a very decorated martial artist as well. You know, a lot of championships in Muay Thai and, you know, just as talented a striker as her sister. Bill, do you, and I know the answer to this probably is no, but Bill, would you ever see a sister versus sister fight for that 125 pound championship? I think it would be awesome. Um, I mean, if if any siblings are gonna fight each other professionally, I feel like these two would be the ones that would actually do it. Um, like I couldn't see like the Diaz brothers fighting each other, especially because they're different weight classes. Um, the maybe maybe Douglas and Diego Lima would fight each other. I can um, see that. Or the Pitbull brothers. Those guys are fucking animals. Yeah, I could yeah, I totally could see them fighting each other. That that but, might be their training sessions, just to fight each other. Yeah. I, I mean, there there's something to be said about that. Uh, you know, historically, um, you know, people who fighters who have siblings roughly the same age who also fight, uh, you know, it pushes them. Uh and that goes for wrestling as well. Um, wrestlers who have twin brothers always crush it because they have somebody to train with who's like their same size and weight. Like mm. Matt Hughes had a twin brother that he wrestled with growing up. Um, there were actually two sets of twins that came through the Penn state wrestling program in recent years. And, and those guys, like all four of them were all Americans every year. Um, I think they're, I, the last name's escaping me. Silverstein, Silversteins, um, something like that. Um, but yeah, because like they get home from wrestling practice and it's like, all right, whoever gets taken down in the backyard has to do the dishes. So they just keep wrestling, you know, um, and then they just they just become phenomenal wrestlers. Uh, we got a uh, Clinton, a brew and uh, Jamal Hill. That's going to be a fun fight. Uh, Tim Elliott and Brandon Royval. I'm not familiar with Brandon, but. Uh, we know Tim Elliott always puts on exciting fights. Casey Kenny against Luis Smoka and Chris Gutierrez against Vince Morales. What's jumping out to you, Jeff? Well, I'm loving that Tim Elliott fight. I think he could breathe some new life into this flyweight division, Bill, which for some reason I always have to say because either, you know, Demetrius Johnson either clean out the division or we don't have a champion, mm -hmm. which is the current case. So I'm really hoping Tim Elliott can can put on a performance that you know catches Dana White's eye. You know, we talked about how Tim Elliott essentially one of the few guys to maybe win a round against Demetrius Johnson in the flyweight division, you know, except for Henry Cejudo, of course. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I just remember that performance and, you know, seeing how much he had changed and evolved from his first stint in the UFC. So, you know, I'm really hoping that Tim Elliott can shine here. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like a tough kid he's going up against. 
Brandon Roy Royval. Um, his nickname is Raw Dog. Um, I imagine there's only one way to obtain a nickname like that. <laughs> I certainly hope it means that he spars without taping his hands first. Or <laughs> that's that's the only way this works out, Bill. Let's let's hope it's not the traditional <laughs> definition of raw dog, especially now that I know my daughter's watching this show. She's only two, but like she's she's pretty with it. <laughs> we don't need it. We don't need her to hear old dad talking about things like that. Um, but yeah, it looks like this is gonna be his UFC debut. Comes uh, fighting out of Englewood, Colorado, and um, fought over in LFA for a while. Looks like he had a lot of fights over there, actually. So UFC debut, uh, big task taking on Tim Elliott. And yeah, you're mentioning the saving of the flyweight division. So they just announced that Joseph Benavidez is going to fight um, Figueredo for the vacant title. Again? And um, man, it's not looking good for this division, Jeff, because this is going to be a rematch in which, you know, Benavidez got smoked by Figueredo, uh, who didn't make weight. Uh, so now you, you're put in a position where. You might be giving the title shot again to a guy who may not make the weight. And even if he does, you know, he struggles to make it. So, you know, is he going to be missing weight for title defenses if he wins the championship? And then, you know, Joseph Benavidez, if he wins the title, he's got to be approaching the end of his career. I mean, that guy has done it all. The only thing he hasn't done is realize the UFC championship. So once he's done that and maybe defended it once, um, you got to imagine he's going to ride off into the sunset. So I, I don't really see a bright future for this division, Jeff. I hate to be the pessimist here, but um, I don't know. You, you thinking anything differently? No, Bill, now that you, I didn't even know that that's what was being set up here for this flyweight division. Now, now I'm a little nervous. Um, you know, the flyweight division has always been on rocky ground here. It's always been, you know, kind of on quicksand because Dana White is not crazy about it. And, I, I don't know what you do here. Um, I, I don't think it's the move to give, you know, to make a rematch of of a fight that didn't work out the first time. You know, the only way that would have worked is if Benavidez won, which he did not, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Hopefully, Benavidez went back to the drawing board and, and you know, kind of was able to analyze what didn't work out in that last fight. Figueredo's mm -hmm. a tough dude, but, you know, he needs to make the weight, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's man. It, it's cause you could have like, say Figueredo wins and then like, all right, he wants to move up to bantamweight. And then what, like, who do you have? You don't have any star power in this division. Like Joseph Benavidez is the last of the Mohegans here. Um, it, you know, if Tim Elliott can, can have an impressive win. Um, maybe there's him. I don't, I don't even know who else is in this division, Jeff. And this is something I talk about, publicly on a weekly basis and I, i'm not familiar with the top 10 of this division well i don't know if this division has a top 10 it might only have 10 <laughs> fighters in it at this point <laughs> yeah i mean it, look they got they got to find somebody for tim elliott to fight they're bringing a guy from from lfa over uh you know granted there's a lot of stuff going on um i certainly couldn't make 125 pounds at this juncture jeff um so that's probably why they haven't been calling me. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I think the last time I weighed 125 was when I was like 10, if that. <laughs> but, Bill, um, quick question for you. Where is this card taking place? Is it still in Florida, uh, this card on Saturday? No, it's going to be at the Apex where they do the, um, where they do the Contender Series. Um, so... I imagine there's going to be a little bit more noise in there. I don't know if they're going to do something to, to separate the commentary because that was an issue where they said the fighters could hear the commentary, which means the judges could hear the commentary. But I know at the apex, they have like a separate booth for the, for the commentary team, like where they used to do the Snoop Dogg and Uriah Faber broadcast. So maybe they'll put them up there. A lot of people were saying like maybe the judges were influenced by being able to hear the commentary because some of the fighters came out and said, 
you know, thanking Daniel Cormier for their for the advice in the middle of the fight because they heard, you know, oh, they should do this, they should circle this way, or they should step out. And uh, I think it was Carlos Barza was like, I started listening to him, and because <laughs> um, you know, why wouldn't you listen to Daniel Cormier, two two division champion, Olympic level wrestler, um, you know, good person to have as a as a bonus corner man. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess you got to put the commentary team somewhere else where, where like the judges can't hear them and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's their only option here. Um, but you know, I don't know how that booth thing is going to work out, uh, at the apex, you know, if we're practicing social distancing and everything. Um, yeah, I say, put them out in the crowd. Nobody's sitting there anyway. I like where Joe Rogan kind of commented on that at one of them because they had them at, at tables that were spread apart. But then, you know, they do the intro for like, hey, you should come by the pay-per-view. And Joe Rogan's like, we all have to sit far apart, but we're all standing right next to each other now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I remember that. And just crack it up at that. Uh, and they get, why are they standing so close to each other? You know, and it was only whenever, they, like, in between fights, when they were talking about, you know, the upcoming fight, they would all stand near each other. So it's, you know, what, what are we even doing this for? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it is good to know that that nobody has gotten sick since, you know, they've been <clears throat> they've been like diligently testing all the fighters, you know, after they fight and all of their team members and everything like that. And it seems like everybody's OK, with the exception of Jacare and his two coaches who tested positive, but they were asymptomatic. So, uh, you know, it's good that, um, you know, they've been able to put on these events safely um, and, you know, it's got to be costing a ton of money to be able to do that and they're losing out on the live gate um i I, they're gonna save money now um doing it at the apex because they don't have to pay for a venue um and they don't have to pay to for a crew to to move stuff around they already have the cage and everything set up there uh so that'll save a bunch of money but uh speaking of joe rogan jeff i have to i have to get get this out there too. Some big news with Joe Rogan that came out last week. I don't know if you heard, um, he sold the exclusive rights to his podcast to Spotify. So starting in September, I believe all of his content is going to be moved from YouTube and from Apple podcast and, and Google play and everything like that. It's all going to be wiped off of there. And the only place you'll be able to hear is on Spotify. And, um, I think he did four years for a hundred million dollars, Jeff, which is so phenomenal. Um, I don't know Joe and, and he doesn't know me from anybody else, but I was so happy for him when I heard this news. And then, you know, of course people are upset because, you know, people want to hate on everything and they're like, well, I like to listen to my podcasts on, on, uh, Apple podcasts. Like, dude, this guy, had the opportunity to make sure his kids and his kids' kids are set for life uh, with money. And, um, you know, a hundred million dollars, that's, that's generational wealth right there. You know, for a kid who grew up like pretty poor in Boston to be able to, to make what he has out of himself, um, and, and get to this point in his career, I thought, I thought it's incredible. And, and, and it shows that the sky is the limit, uh, for, for doing stuff like this, you know, you and I do this for fun. Um, but it's really awesome to see somebody who essentially does the same thing as us and, um, achieve that level of success for themselves. And I I think it's awesome. Um, so great for him. It's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Like Spotify is going to be adding video, I guess. And we we don't know how that's going to look. Um, but Joe was frustrated with YouTube because they were censoring him and they were taking some of his content down. And he's like, you know, what the fuck? I'm one of the biggest revenue generators for you guys. I do this on my own. So I can't be edited on my own, you know, on my own company for this reason. So I can do it my way. And you guys are, are editing my stuff. So I don't know. Have you heard about this, Jeff? Yeah, and dude, I'm I'm happy for Joe Rogan. I've been a fan of his for years, you know, through Fear Factor and his stand-up. I, I love his stand-up. I think he's hilarious. So, <clears throat> uh, you know, good for Joe Rogan, dude. Like you said, he, he set his family set for life. And um, for those of you complaining, I mean, Spotify is free. 
Sure, you have ads, uh, but I'm not going to complain about that. You know, I use Spotify basically every day yeah. um, to listen to other podcasts, music. You know, I have a whole bunch of playlists on there. And, you know, I do, I, you know, I recommend Spotify to everybody. Um, you know, MMA on the Rocks is on Spotify. Indeed, it is. So, <laughs> dude, if got- they wanted to pay me, a, you know, a fraction of that, I would sell all the rights. You could take me off everywhere. <laughs> you could take me off the whole internet. <laughs> How about $1 million? I won't broadcast anywhere. You pay me to stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, dude. Good for Joe Rogan, man. Um, like you said, you know, uh, successful guy. Um, and Joe Rogan is just an interesting dude. You know, sometimes he says stupid things, but so does everybody else. And, you know, to, to, to add to what you were saying, you know, everybody is going to complain about everything, whether Joe Rogan does it or he doesn't do it. People are going to complain. So I figure, you know, go for it. Yeah. And then, you know, even like us, we talk for an hour a week and we say stupid shit all the time. Um, so imagine if you're doing three hour podcasts, you know, four days a week, obviously you're going to say some stupid shit and there's millions of people out there just hanging on your every word, waiting for you to make a mistake so they can cut up the clip and make you look like an asshole. Um, you know, I could only hope to reach that level of success where people do that with me, Jeff, where they take dumb things I say and, and, and do a, <laughs> cut up like a, like a bloopers reel for me. Um, I'll be like, if, if I ever see that somewhere, I'll be like, wow, I made it. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. Um, dude, the only issue that I have with the Joe Rogan podcast is Brendan Schaub. I feel like he had <laughs> nothing to that show, but other than that, it's an awesome show. Yeah. Well, you you have your gripes with Brendan Schaub for for personal reasons, I think. <laughs> but I just don't think he's funny, Bill. I think it has to do with his his past relationships. Bill, if that were the case, I would hate Travis Brown too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't hate fair. him. I just don't like him that much. But but what if Travis Brown started doing stand up comedy and and started appearing on Joe Rogan all the time? <laughs> It depends. He's got to be funny. I don't think Brendan Riddle Schaub me is that, funny. Jeff. I don't, he has to be funny. I just don't think Brendan Schaub is funny. I've listened to his stand-up, and it just it. I had to turn it off. Yeah, Three I jokes I, in. I couldn't do it. I went to see him live he, uh, here in Tampa, and uh, you know he tries. It's like that's all I could say about him. He tries. You can tell he put a lot of time into it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't compare him to anything. So, in any case, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan as well. I don't listen to his podcast as much anymore, but he, he's definitely a big reason, uh, you know, why we kind of started this, you know, free form conversation format. Um, you know, because I always, I always enjoyed this style of podcast as opposed to the type that's like produced and and music added to it and everything like that and you know there are some that i enjoy including uh mma true fan uh which i've just gotten into i'm going to give a little plug for those guys because we have one of the producers coming on the show real soon um if you guys are are into like real storytelling documentary style podcast mma true fan uh it's t-r-u-f-a-n um excellent podcast um, they do like real storytelling style, um, about, uh, MMA legends like Mark Coleman and Kevin Randleman. And, you know, I, I've been following this sport for a long time, Jeff, and they were throwing some facts in there and some backstory information that I had no idea about. Um, and, and it's really well done. So I, I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking to those guys on the show real soon, but, but check that out. Um, if you guys want to get a couple episodes under your belt before, before we have the producer come on the show. Um, yeah, man. So we got, we got some fun stuff coming up. The the other thing I want to, I want to plug real quick is it was just announced a few hours ago. My buddy and friend of the show, Matt Steamroller Frivola, is going to be fighting next month, June 20th, UFC Fight Night 173 against Frank Camacho. 
and Jeff, there's no way this fight isn't fucking fireworks. Um, you know, Steamroller has never been in a boring fight. He just doesn't he doesn't know how. <laughs> and uh, you know, we all know Camacho is is one of these guys that goes in there and he's looking to knock you out. And if he gets knocked out in the process, like that's the way it goes. <laughs> and you know, always exciting. Um, so that, that I'm really looking forward to that fight. And it, it, I was so excited when it got announced today. And um, I, I, I messaged uh, I messaged Steamroller right away. And uh, yeah, man, that that's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, I'm excited for that one, dude. Uh, Matt Fravola, just a tough dude. Cardio for days. Um, trains with. Ray Longo, so you know his jiu-jitsu and his wrestling are top-notch. And Frank Camacho, you know, tough dude. He He's not going to stop unless somebody stops him. So this mm -hmm. is definitely going to be a good fight for that June card, uh, which the headliner is Nunez versus Felicia Spencer. And we can talk a little bit more about that one next week, but that's looking like a good card too. Yeah. Uh, Frank Camacho has been around a long time, man. Uh, fought Neil Magny as an amateur. Um, or no, it, it wasn't an amateur fight. Sorry. It was on the ultimate fighter. So it counted as an exhibition, but yeah, Camacho has been around since 2005. Oh, wow. He's been doing this a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time, Jeff. I was still in college in 2005 and I was in college a long ass time ago. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you where I was in 2005. Cause that'll, that'll make you feel old. Were you, you were in like third grade? <laughs> yeah, I, I was finishing up uh, middle school. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh, all right. That's not. Yeah. So I was in seventh grade, Bill. I bet I could have submitted you then. Yeah, but you can submit me now. <laughs> so what, what difference does it make, Bill? You proved nothing. <laughs> I just had to throw it out there that I would beat up a middle schooler when I was in college. <laughs> i don't know though jeff if you were 125 pounds at 10 years old i don't i don't know if i if i would have uh tangoed with you at the end of middle school uh i mean it wouldn't have been easy but i'm sure you would have found the way <laughs> i'm wily jeff yeah I, uh, I i haven't been uh you know cheating the social distancing and and getting any grappling and as i know i know plenty of people who have been um yeah you know, you, you know, we, we run in, we run in small circles here. So, you know, when people are, are kind of cheating the rules and, and getting their, getting their roles in, but I have not Jeff, I've been, uh, I've been following all the rules and the gyms are starting to reopen down here now, but they're doing like social distancing training, like movement drills and like have tape on the mats. It's like, all right, just call me when I can strangle somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm all for it. Um, I'm all for, for waiting it out until, you know, I can get my hands on somebody. But, Bill, up here we're starting to open things up slowly as well. This weekend the parks are opening up, and it was limited to 10 people before. They're pushing that up to 25 now. Um, but still, we got to do the social distancing thing. Um, you know, I – kind of didn't go out this weekend just because it it's it was raining all day yesterday and today mm -hmm. it looked like it was gonna rain and <clears throat> unfortunately you know the park by my house by my house i told you this last week they had to close it because there were people um just getting rowdy and you know not following the rules and then yelling at sheriffs when they came to break everything up so stay classy new jersey yeah so <laughs> you know that that's a small that's that's a very jersey thing to happen so i figured i should just stay home for a little while longer yeah that was happening before there were any pandemics that's just that's just how it goes but yep. uh yeah i'm a fan of the social distancing jeff i hope they leave all the stickers on the floor of the supermarket and people don't so nobody's like breathing down your neck when you're trying to you know pay for your groceries and stuff <laughs> Like I'm, a, I'm a fan of all this. I, I practiced all this stuff before there was ever a, a worldwide virus on the loose. Uh, so I, I'm cool with it. And if I don't have to go to a toddler birthday party for a while, I know I've talked about this before, but I will be totally content. If you guys have been wondering um, what I've been sipping on here while we've been talking, might as well put that out in the open. 
Uh, I've got some Old Forester bourbon, 86 proof. Uh, so they make this in the 86, and they also make 100. Um, I like the 86 just because it's it's like a comfortable sip. You know, it doesn't have it doesn't have too much sting, and and you can sip on it for a while, and um, you know, not be falling on the floor, which is which is the way I like to do things too. This is one of my go-tos, Jeff. I, I always have a bottle of this in my bar. Uh, ever since I discovered the old Forester, it's, it's been like, when I don't know what I want to pour, this is what I grab. It's, it's the old Forester. It's, it's become, um, it's become the wife's favorite as well. Uh, and she's always like, you know, pour me some whiskey. And then I have to like play scientist when she's like, Oh, I don't like this one. This one's too smoky. This one's too sweet. So like, I have to narrow down like what she likes because she'll never remember the name of anything. Um, but I, I figured out that she does like the old forester. It's, it's, um, you know, it's kind of rich, uh, a little on the sweet side for a bourbon, which is nice. Um, no burn. You could drink this neat easily. And you don't need any ice. Um, you know, even the missus doesn't doesn't need it with ice, but she just she just prefers it that way. Um, but you know, she'll even she'll drink it neat. It's a it's a real smooth bourbon. And then they have like all their their specialty lines. Like they have the Prohibition edition. They have um, they have their original batch recipe. But um, you can grab like the the seven fifty of the 86 proof for like 20 bucks. Um, so this is definitely like a great value. I usually have like a big handle of it, uh, that you can get for like 30 something bucks, maybe 35 bucks. I usually have that in the bar, but, um, the last time I went to the liquor store, they didn't have it in stock. So I just got one of the little guys here. Um, but I, I always have it on hand. And then this, the specialty lines, uh, are a little more, uh, you know, those go for anywhere from 45 to 65 a bottle. Um, so, you know, those are like more special occasion bourbons, I guess. And Jeff, I know you've been, uh, I know you've been staying away. So I, I don't, I don't have to ask if you've been uh, sipping on anything interesting. I know you don't want to, you don't want to get all like Jack Nicholson in the shining during quarantine. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, between reading and watching TV, I got to take it easy on that stuff. But Bill, I'm excited for these fight cards coming up. Um, and like you said, I I'm in the same boat. I'm, I don't really have a problem with social distancing, you know, keeps the parents away from me, from my students. So, you know, it's like a nice little vacation. You know, not having to deal with parents who are unhappy with certain grades. What? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to jump right to something else, Jeff, but my mom says you got to try snake venom beer. There's nothing like it. And I know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if she got hacked because I know my mom doesn't drink beer. <laughs> so somebody. Somebody must be on her Facebook right now, <laughs> and they're they're trolling me with my mom's account. But I don't even know what snake venom beer is. It doesn't sound like it's FDA approved. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> you, you know what I had uh, when I was in Japan, Jeff? I had the the um, the sake that they put it in in the bottle with like a petrified snake, like a rattlesnake. Um, so, do they put formaldehyde in there or something? No. It was just, just the alcohol. Um, and, and it was pretty disgusting. Like I had to had, I had to have a couple of drinks before I got the courage up to, to try it. Um, and I, and I did it just, just so I could say I did it. And, you know, I took a picture next to the bottle. Like they put the bottle on the, on the bar for you. Did you keep the snake afterwards? No, no, no. Cause they just put, they just pour you like a little shot of it. That you know you don't drink the whole bottle, but it it was like a big rattlesnake. Jeff it was like this, and it's like coiled up. I gotta show you. Uh, maybe I can I can put a picture here. Um, let's see, rattlesnake sake. So so can you cook with this stuff? How does it work? Yeah, I mean it's sake. Um, here we go. Let me just find 
So does the sake have snake venom in it? How's it work? No, no, I think they take the venom out. Um, so it, it's, um, I guess, I guess the alcohol preserves the snake. Um, it, you know, so their, their thing is it's supposed to be like for virility. They say, you know, if you drink this stuff, um, you know, you, you'll get somebody pregnant after, um, here we go. So I don't know. Can you see this photo here? Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so the you see that they they coil the snake up in there, and then some of them are like more like there's an art to it, I guess. Like they coil it up and they they have the the snake's mouth open so you could see the fangs, and it's like in attack mode. Yeah, they For probably those of you listening to the audio version, you might want to go over and, and look at the Facebook video or or YouTube, or you could just um, Google Habushu, H A B U. S H U, uh, and you'll see the pictures of what I'm talking about the petrified snakes, uh, inside. It's like I remember it was like it was like spicy, it had like um, almost like a clove spiciness to it, uh, and it was like a little fruity. Oh, look, here's one with a cobra that's wild. I don't know, I don't know if I would ever do it again like it tasted good but um you know i just did it because i was like well i've never seen anything like this in my life i have to try it uh but let me have like four or five whiskeys first yeah so that's that oh that one's got two snakes in it that's pretty cool yeah yeah they're all different like i said there's like an art to it so you know, they put the snakes in different poses. Oh, here's another cobra one. This one's kind of cool. Oh, wow. I mean, I would want to buy the bottle just to keep it because it looks cool. But, yeah. You know, I wouldn't let it, like, hit the floor or anything. Yeah, imagine imagine it shatters and then, like, the, the snake comes. You got a drunk-ass snake. <laughs> yeah, you have a drunk king cobra coming at you. <laughs> it's just slithering around your house. Well, I'm glad my mom brought up snake venom beer so I could take this trip down memory lane about the Hibushu. Um, but that was a fun trip, Jeff. I, I, I would love to go back to Japan someday. Um, it, it would be a tough, tough trip with the little one right now. Maybe when she's a little bit older, but it was awesome. I got to go to UFC at the, the Saitama super arena which was, you know, that's like hollowed ground, Jeff, where they had like all legendary pride fights and, and stuff like that. It was an awesome experience. And Japan is, it's like being on another planet, man. It's, uh, everything's really different over there. It's super clean. Um, everybody's like really courteous and, and orderly. Like everybody follows the rules. There's like certain social rules that they do or like, you always, if you're going down an escalator, you always stand on the right. So if somebody's in a hurry, they can run up and down the other side. Um, when they when they get to the train platforms, they all line up in the order that they got there. So if somebody, if you get there after somebody else, you stand behind them so they could get on the train first. It's definitely like the opposite of the way things are here. Bill, Japan sounds awesome, and it's the home of Pokemon. So. That sounds like my type of country. I gotta go to this Japan you speak of. Yeah, I mean, you'll be more likely to find the snake whiskey than you will to find Pokemon because I don't think those are real things. I mean, I would just want to go to the Nintendo building and play Super Mario Bros. <laughs> with with the guys who made it. Yeah, they do have um gosh, I can't remember the name of the neighborhood, but but everything is like anime. In the streets, our, our buddy Serena De Jesus would love it. Um, or, or she has she's been there actually. Um, but yeah, they have like the the girls dress up as like the Harajuku mm. girls, and, and like people are dressed up like anime characters, and there's like all fun like cartoony shops and things like that. It's a it's an interesting place. Uh, when I stayed there, we stayed for a majority of the time in uh, 
a neighborhood called Shibuya, which is a, a neighborhood in Tokyo. I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but Tokyo is just a big circle, right? And they have a train that goes in a circle through Tokyo. And it, there's different neighborhoods uh, all throughout. And Shibuya is like, there's like a little quiet town. And then literally on the other side of the train tracks, it's it's like Times Square. It's like their version of Times Square. But then you go across the train tracks and it's like this little tiny suburb with like little, little shops and oh, Mark knows the name of the neighborhood. He's sharing it with us. Akihabara. Thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. So we got some fun fights coming up. Uh, <clears throat> we got some, uh, we got some cool guests, uh, in the in the near future so that's gonna be fun too you got anything else you want to get off your chest here jeff yeah now i want to go to japan and now that <laughs> flights are super cheap i can't even do it because there's a pandemic so yeah you know, those shops you mentioned would be open probably well what you can do since the flights are cheap is book a flight now for you know like 12 months from now there's always that yeah i could try it and then if you know if if shit hits the fan again, you could always cancel it because they have pretty, you know, pretty understanding, uh, pretty forgiving cancellation policies right now to the airlines. All right. Um, well, if you guys want to talk to us about some fights or some booze or anything else, you can always reach out to us on social media. You can get a hold of Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram, and you guys can get a hold of me at MMA on the Rocks pretty much everywhere um you can send me an email if you want mma on the rocks gmail.com you can go to our website we got some fun stuff there mma on the rocks uh we're gonna be revamping that pretty soon make sure it's up to date with the new logo and everything like that uh t-shirts going on sale soon uh so i'll keep you guys up to date on that on the social media make sure you're following along make sure you have your notifications if you want to catch the show live on youtube or facebook turn the notifications on and wherever you're watching or listening please give a thumbs up leave some comments leave a review everything helps other people find the show give us some shares and that's all we got until next time cheers everybody goodbye